Delta Path is not just one more communications technology outfit looking to build its tech into the lucrative healthcare sector. As we speak with Delta Path CEO David Liu, you'll see how his interest in improving communications using voice over IP started long ago as a college student as a personal need before blossoming into a technology that is helping improve sometimes inefficient communication systems inside hospitals. I'm Lance Lutzford, Senior Partner at Groundswell Health, and you're listening to The Connected Hospital Podcast. No, no, I, uh, I started Delta Path uh, back in college days. Yeah, actually. Okay. And um, uh, it was kind of by accident because my parents are actually living abroad uh, during that time. And I wanted to um, have a way for, in particularly my mom, who is computer illiterate, I wanted a way for her to be able to call me easily, you know, as if I was local to her. So, um, so that kind of got me into, you know, researching how can I create a phone system that essentially, you know, bypasses all the international calling and just make everything sound like local. So that's kind of okay. how, you know, it's, it started. Yeah. And how old were you then when you started to kind of tinker with that and, and develop that? That was actually in freshman year. Yeah. Okay. So, so it was, it was actually way back. And, uh, when I actually got it, you know, working prototype and start using it, then, you know, friends and family started asking, Hey, you know, can we, can we have a similar system? Because, you know, we've got factories abroad and, uh, you know, we want to save long distance. We spend like 5,000 to 10 K a month. And, um, you know, this would be, you know, an amazing solution just from purely from a cost perspective you know that's that's kind of the kind of the early days of what voice over ip was all about um but um i, I think it, it actually st- things started to evolve uh a little bit different as we really started to have the enterprise customers uh deploying the solution and actually and and i interviewed them after you know the change and say hey you know what what has actually changed is it just your phone bill and they actually said no it's it's the way that people work that the be work behavior actually change and i said well what, what, what was the biggest change? And I, I recall the CIO actually told me he was a CIO of a manufacturing company. And he said, well, before your system, people would actually plan and think, write down notes before they actually place the call to their counterpart in the overseas factory. But with our system, because every call is free and it's in high definition, people would just pick up the phone, call, connect, and think together and then discuss. Uh, so there was actually, you know, a, a big change, whether from people thinking independently and then planning ahead and then just communicating what they want to communicate to people actually connecting first, discuss the problem, think together, come up with a solution. So they, they said that that was the kind of the biggest work behavior change. Then that but actually. What, mm-hmm. So what was that difference though? And what you were doing and what just a telephone system would do was it that it, it kind of literally, it, it figuratively untethered them to a, that they could, they could kind of talk infinitely almost because it was, uh, it was voice over IP. 
from 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 the surface yes uh, i mean voice over ip free calls and encourage people to talk bring people closer but i think from from what i gather from from this customer made me realize it's not about just having the connection having the connection is one thing but because of having the connection and if you actually look at the right data uh being relayed to the right person at the right time, it actually changes people and actually makes people more effective. And if you put that in, in a healthcare hospital environment, it can actually help to save lives and to give, you know, better patient care. And that's kind yeah. of where, you know, led us to that direction. Well, let's kind of touch base on that. But before we kind of figure out, kind of you tell us how you 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 walked your way into the the, the or work, worked your way on the tech, tech the tech product into the healthcare arena and what inspired that. Kind of where where were you and what you had deployed before the, seeing the most success? Um, like you said, it was kind of what you had some enterprise program up and running, but um, before there was the uh, movement into the healthcare space, what did, where, where were you seeing the most impact? Yeah. So I think the transition kind of took place, uh, back in 2012, uh, when, uh, the, one of the medical informatics committee, uh, that's sponsored by the Japanese government, uh, they reached out to us and they said, Hey, you know, would you be interested to participate uh, in our research? You know, we wanted to develop the future hospital communication system. Um, and uh, being in line of what, you know, what our mission is, uh, well, we, we, we said, you know, certainly yes. And uh, so what we actually, um, what they actually had us to do was to solve a population aging problem. So as you probably know, uh, Japan is, you know, suffering from aging population. There's more elderly people than ever. And the growth trend is continuing. So they wanted to use communication technology to reduce the workload uh, of their caregiver and medical professionals, uh, and then to serve, you know, a greater patient audience. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the, the objective. So in, initially, then we really looked at, you know, how do medical professionals work? Um, and then we realized, hey, you know, there's a lot of uh, wastage of energy. There's actually uh, a lot of back and forth, you know, back in the old days, if a patient needed something, they would press a, a button, press a light, the light would come up in the nurse station. Uh, the nurse sees the, the light, walks to the patient, kind of asks the patient, hey, wh what do you need? Um, and then kind of go back and, and basically deliver the request. Maybe they need something to eat, maybe they need an IV refill, or maybe you know, they need a blanket. And depending on the requests, there's actually different urgency, different priorities. I mean, if there's a patient whose condition is deteriorating, you actually need to escalate this. So there's a lot of back and forth that we, we wanted to reduce and potentially eliminate. So we looked at integrating with like nurse call systems so that, you know, when a patient presses a button, the patient can decide what kind of needs they have, whether they need help 
with going to the bathroom or they need help with their IV refill or they just needed some food that already kind of prioritize different patients. And then how we can uh, then further decide which nurse should get this call. And then when the nurse gets the call, the nurse kind of know uh, before answering how urgent this is and what kind of needs there are. So they only really need to, you know, walk to a patient bed one time rather than, than two times. So when you were looking at those efficiencies that needed to be done, you weren't, you were still probably dealing with hospital and healthcare systems that were, that we're already accustomed to kind of integrating some electronics into mm-hmm. the, the operations. What was it that, um, I guess that that was the most in, uh, the biggest opportunity in in disrupting that as far as what made the, or and even today probably what makes the the Delta uh, Paths acute program um, different or or more transformative beyond some of the technology that already exists in some of those spaces. Yeah. So you mentioned about you know some of the electronic sensors and some of the uh, tech that is already in place in the hospital environment. But if you think about it, all these technology, they are, you know, isolated, they're dispersed, they're in their own isolated islands. So what we, what we also realized was, hey, the nurse needs to know a patient's vitals. A nurse needs to know uh, lab reports related to the patient. Uh, actually, doctors also need to be informed. And also, in, in the topic of lab reports, particular lab results uh, that indicates a patient is in, in a particular danger that needs to be escalated too. And so there are so many pieces of data in the hospital environment that needs to be prioritized and relayed to the right professional at the right time. And so that we, um, apart from doing the nurse call communication, we took a deep dive into how we can actually bring all those pieces together and have a centralized way of notifying nurses and doctors at the right time, at the right place about certain patients. So, so we took a deep dive into that. And the end result was we managed to link up, uh, for example, uh, bed sensors. There are sensors laying on the bed that tells you whether a patient uh, is awake, a patient is asleep, uh, whether they have any breathing problems, whether their heart rate is uh, beating abnormally, um, how, uh, how comfortable they are actually feeling. Those sensors would be able to feed to us and then we can actually uh, analyze and then prioritize, hey, certain patient uh, needs some attention. And if you think about it, in the middle of the night when you have a reduced number of staff um, serving the entire floor, the nurse really need to focus on those that are, you know, having problems and kind of leave those who are sleeping sound in their bed, kind of leave them alone. So the, 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 you know, and I don't want to tra- transition away from kind of the, the role, the role and the, the, the uh, sources, the resources that Delta Path kind of focuses on. But, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to our discussion, you brought up kind of that first uh, move into uh, healthcare being with the uh, Japanese government. In the USA, we kind of talk more about uh, the inefficiencies of healthcare kind of in a global way and talking about, I guess, more along the lines of access in terms of finance and who who has the best healthcare system in terms of 
who's paying for it, whether it's out of pocket, whether it's some sort of government-based payer program. Mm -hmm. Um, But what countries, when you talk about the actual technology that is, um, or I guess the technology that drives the um, care coordination and the workflow inside a facility, where does the USA stand on, on that? Because, you know, I think I'd be curious to know from your perspective and experience of when it, we've spent so much money over the last 10 years transforming healthcare focused on on managing care coordination, but across the continuum, right outside of the hospital doors, but inside the hospital, how, how does the USA rank up with what you see in other countries? Um, so in the U S I think a lot of effort has been placed in like video communication, uh, video visits. Um, those are, I would say U S is probably number one, even surpassing, uh, Japan, uh, because video visits in Japan is still not as popular as in the United States. Uh, but inside the hospital, I would say I see a lot more advanced technology, and integrations uh, in Japan rather than the US. Uh, in particularly, as I mentioned, you know, linking all the different sensors and systems and having a centralized way of, you know, delivering that alerts, that alarms and data to, to the nurses and doctors are somewhat lacking uh, here in the United States. That's, that's how I would see it. Okay. The, uh, when we talk about Delta path and its movement into a hospital and implementing a, mm. a program, uh, for a hospital, what do you think are your kind of top five KPI that you're looking for that tells you that you're having a, a, a the results that you're getting the net effect that, that you're shooting for with the tech. And I'd say top five arbitrarily, if you have, you know, your most important thing, I'd be curious about that. Uh, well, first of all, I would actually see whether the medical f- professionals are still carrying a pager. Um, it would be a concern if uh, I see that they still rely on pagers. And in fact, um, I actually visited one of the uh, hospitals here. Uh, in fact, it was a Stanford Hospital. So brand new state-of-the-art facility. And um, But doctors are actually still carrying a pager and actually asked them, hey, you know, why are you carrying a pager and she told me well uh, because not every corner um, in this building you know has reception so uh, I actually have to duplicate all the messages uh, onto my pager so my pager rings my cell phone things um, and yeah she actually apologized and said hey sorry for all the, all the different noises um, so yeah that's actually number one thing because if you, if you remember back in the old days if you watch uh, Dr. House um, um, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, very popular medical episode. He's, he always receives all these pages, uh, you know, a patient, a code blue patient, it's, you know, collapsing. And then he takes his time uh, to slowly, you know, walk down the stairs and get to the patient's room. Uh, that's actually critical time um, that that is lost um, to a patient because we all know after 180 seconds, um, your brain cells start to die when there's not enough oxygen. And uh, so one of the objective in, in our system is having the ability for uh, 
a medical professional to press an emergency button, which is right by the bedside uh, of a patient. And that will actually trigger instant alerts to the doctors responsible. And not only they know there's, you know, patient it's dying, go rescue them, but they can actually answer the call and then guide the nurse to kickstart the first aid, to kickstart um, whatever injections or whatever uh, CPR, whatever that needs to be done, they can kickstart that process because that is actually the golden window uh, to rescue a patient. Sure. And, and so that's, so you're, you're, um, do y'all have capabilities of measuring or is that something that that is measurable based off of your relationships that y'all been able to shorten that response time and, and work with the hospital to be able to report that? Yeah. So, yeah. So with the, with the uh, medical informatics committee that we worked with, uh, we went as detailed as actually tracking movements of medical professionals before and after deploying our system. And we actually saw, for example, a reduction of 25% of movements, um, just, uh, walking back and forth. And then we actually see, um, a 30% more time spent with the patient. So they actually, they actually use RFID and, and put RFID on the staff car and actually keep track of patients. Uh, sorry, keep track of the medical professionals. So yeah, we, in down in our study, we also see that with the emergency button, um, we actually help to reduce the response time compared to the previous days of, you know, someone yelling out the door and say, call Dr. House, it's cold blue. And then that nurses dials the pager and all that. That's, that's already a minute lost yeah. at the minute. The- so the, now how does that nurse handle the notification system? You've got, um, you've got systems inside at the bedside, but is it, mm-hmm. what, what does the nurse have? Does the nurse have equipment on them? Do they use their own um, uh, I, uh, smartphones? How does that play out? Yeah. Yeah, so all the nurses are equipped with a smart, smartphone. Uh, the hospital generally would provide uh, uh, the smartphones uh, with extended battery range. And um, it has an app, which is our Delta Path Acute app. And that app, uh, they would be able to receive patient calls. Um, and when, when a patient has any needs, it will actually show their needs. Uh, it will show their medical history. So you know if they have any particular allergies, uh, you know whether they are permitted to eat and drink or not. Uh, or if there's a particular lab report that's of concern, it will actually escalate to the doctor uh, who is taking care of that patient and provide the full report through our app and also keep track of response time of the doctor, whether the doctor has actually read the report or not. Uh, and if the doctor has not actually read it, then they will actually continuously sound and uh, in an emergency siren to the doctor to remind them, hey, there's a really critical report or lab result uh, of a particular patient that you really need to take note of right now. Um, So we we actually have that capabilities of distinguishing what's urgent and what's not. Um, How how ubiquitous is is this kind of um, technology becoming to be that quickly accessible? And and has it largely been driven, you think, or the adoption of it um, been driven or the, the increase in the rate of adoption Mm -hmm. is that by um 
would you say more from generally the population becoming more adept and knowledgeable of technology or is it more driven by the um, the, the in, industry market forces that we've incentivized that improvement in care and we're looking for any kind of improve any kind of path that's going to get us to that improvement in care and outcomes? I think that generally, uh, especially with, you know, new tech uh, and something which to a lot of to a lot of hospitals is still very futuristic. Um, uh, just to kind of give you an example, because it, everything sounds pretty easy, having a smartphone, having an app. Um, but if you think about it, what about the back end infrastructure? Uh, do you have the correct Wi-Fi coverage across the hospital. Um, and oftentimes we see hospitals that are interested in, in upgrading and deploying the solution found out that, you know, Hey, their Wi-Fi is, you know, back in the stone age, they wouldn't be able to support this number of devices and they don't have the right coverage. And, uh, as they start to dig into, Hey, revamping Wi-Fi, they realize the cost is actually, uh, not affordable to them. So a lot of hospitals initially uh, back off the idea because, hey, that's a huge investment. And so the Japanese government has uh, recently been actually giving uh, some certain subsidy uh, to hospitals and also to uh, nursing homes. So actually, we've been seeing the same technology being demanded, not only in the hospital environment, but in the elderly nursing homes. We're seeing a lot of, uh, in particularly this year, we're seeing a lot of uh, elderly homes um, inquiring and, and then, you know, later on deployed our solution. Uh, pretty much they, they deployed the same thing as the, as, as the hospitals do um, so that hey, they can provide similar level of care um, to the elderly who, who, who are uh, resident of theirs. What, what are you seeing from the, you know, making a little bit of a pivot here. What are you seeing from um, the, the investment side of the market, the finance side of the market in healthcare tech. And I mean, again, y'all are, I guess, exclusively in healthcare tech. Um, but from those, from like the, the, the investor pool, and I'm assuming that y'all probably talk to the, are more into the, the uh, Silicon Valley group groups of investors, but do they have a, a complete uh, awareness of um, the overall needs of the healthcare system? Those that are kind of investors that are outside of specialized niche investment in healthcare, or is that exclusive, exclusively who you'll deal with? So if you talk about the VCs in Silicon Valley, um, they are actually looking at something different. Um, they are more focused on AI in healthcare space. For example, um, out of all the x-rays, uh, how can I use AI to identify whether you know someone has the potential of having a cancer uh, or a heart disease? Um, Silicon Valley VCs are more interested in that space, uh, but that is, uh, I would say, that is uh, something that will take at least another five or six years to yeah. actually kind of see adoption. And there's a lot of uh, issues surrounding privacy because you need to actually use a lot of training data. So you need to 
basically have access to a, a large pool of medical data and then yeah. to actually AI learning. So is that investment attention driven that, that direction because it's AI just as a tagline is sexier and it gathers more yeah. attention and, and an organization that's making an investment there, whether it's, whether it's successful or not, is going to be enough to drive uh, internal investment or external investment dollars into their fund. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would agree with that uh, just because of the, the, the word AI sound a lot more sexier. Um, you know, actually it would attract more of the kind of external investment. But if you actually look at the industry itself, uh, because one of the things that we've been doing a lot uh, recently is building out our ecosystem. Uh, we've formed alliances with a lot of the Japanese uh, medical technology suppliers uh, from um, uh, all the nurse call system providers to uh, x-ray imagery uh, to sensors company. We've actually all worked together uh, to have like a common API and so that we can integrate with each other. Um, the industry itself is actually at the stage of how do we talk to each other because they have been isolated islands in the past decades. And we only got to the stage that, hey, you know, let's work together, let's open up, uh, let's have a centralized way of delivering important data to the right person at the right time. Which is so the, the, ecos the ecosystem part of that has got it's got to be interesting too because you've got to have what I would think is a ton of that data that is behavioral that um, that as you said there's got to be some privacy issues that exist to, mm -hmm. to, to test some of those things but how many of how much of that can be used as um, you know lessons for best practices in terms of what what can be identified as predictive behavior and points of disruption for a provider to come in, you know, knowing that this set of um, uh, behaviors might exist that can predict a certain bad outcome. So we give you a path to disruption is, is that in that ecosystem of partners or um, is, is that outside of them? Um, uh, I think for any, uh, I would speak about Japan just because uh, we we've pretty developed and we've got a, a pretty good uh, uh, group of customers and, and ecosystem partners in Japan. Uh, it, with Japan in particularly, uh, technically something that's interesting because they would often for hospital healthcare providers, uh, they would completely block off internet access. Um, uh, to their, to their communication network. Um, so basically if you're thinking about offering anything from the cloud, uh, it would not be possible. Um, everything has to be kind of within their facility. There will be no internet access. These smartphones have no internet access and that actually poses a lot of problems. Uh, for example, uh, if you use Apple smartphones, without internet access, uh, the smartphone itself has very, very limited capabilities. Uh, so limited that, you know, a lot of the apps would fail uh, to receive an incoming call, for example, or to receive an incoming message. So as a, as a tech provider, as a healthcare tech provider, you really have to understand this kind of landscape. This is what you're dealing with. Um, 
as you design your product. Uh, I think that's kind of like the number one thing. Um, and definitely for uh, patient privacy is, is something uh, of real concern. Uh, so therefore, uh, for example, in our, in our design, we would need to be able to remotely destroy all data from, from, the, from the cell phone of any medical professional at any time uh, if it's found lost, for example. Um, the administrator would be able to just press a button and then basically erase everything so that no data would be data, meaning even a patient name or a, a colleague's phone number would be completely gone. Good, okay. So that's, I think that's an interesting part of that. How much of that is a concern across the board at a hospital? And at what point do you adjudicate and finalize that? Is that a difficult thing to, to prove out to a facility? Or um, is that just part of the kind of standard uh, part of the RFP process? Y'all are able to clear those hurdles. Um, I would say it's kind of, uh, the standard, um, expected, um, uh, security, uh, feature that, you know, any, any healthcare system has, uh, because, uh, for countries like Japan and same thing here in the United States, the patient privacy is, it's something of, uh, I would say kind of like a number one priority. Uh, it's, it's a little different in some other, some other countries, some other Asian countries would be, would be you know, less of a, of a priority, but in, yeah, in, in places like us and Japan, it's number one thing. So security, uh, and then the encryption, uh, it's often kind of the number one thing that they look at. And then, you know, they go as far as cutting off the internet from the hospital, um, to avoid, you know, any, any chances of, of hacking or hackers coming in. Um, so that actually changes, that actually creates a lot of challenge to a lot of uh, healthcare providers, uh, healthcare tech providers. Uh, for example, I would say the uh, voice recognition, voice transcribing AI engines, um, that some, uh, some of them uh, are trying to get into the healthcare market, would often you know, hit this obstacle and say, hey, well, if you have no internet access, how do I do this voice recognition, which is an AI robot in the cloud? So that's, that's something ongoing. Um, you know, we, we working with certain AI vendors and say, Hey, you know, how do you do this differently? Uh, because there's actually a real need in, in the hospital environment. Yeah. How, how competitive is the space that you're in when it comes to, you know, uh, comparing apples to apps, apples technology, I'm sure that there's a lot of legacy systems that are in place. That's hard to, to compete with. So, I mean, my question is, I guess is twofold. One, do you have a, a lot of uh, new vendors that are out they're trying to kind of interrupt i won't say disrupt but interrupt mm -hmm. the the um this the, the those legacy providers of this um kind of the messaging internal messaging systems and um and if there are other is it getting is this a, a space that you expect to get more more competitive or is it a, only a set small number of providers that are mm -hmm. on this tech um, so I think, uh, we have a kind of early mover advantage. Uh, we, we started early from the kind of research stage, uh, to then the initial deployment. So we've kind of in particularly in Japan, we kind of gained the reputation, uh, and kind of designed 
one of its kind uh, in a hospital communication system. And we do see other uh, competitors starting to follow, um, uh, whether it's uh, here from the States, uh, like for example, Cisco, um, you know, they started, you know, offering some hospital solution. But if you, if you look at um, some of our competitors, they haven't really got to the point where they've integrated with, you know, a vast majority of popular uh, medical systems and sensors. So when you really deploy into the field, all you, all you really are is offering, you know, a mobile solution, um, you know, Wi-Fi phone in a hospital, you haven't really got to the point of relaying all the right data to the right person at the right time. See, um, well, I think it's, it's a, it's a, again, we've, we've talked so much about improving healthcare outcomes and, and more importantly, like the care coordination that occurs throughout the, the, the overall ecosystem and a community. Um, but in, internally, you know, I think we've mm-hmm. allowed the hospitals to concentrate more on um, what their internal work works for their internal team. So this is definitely an interesting place that, that you uh, have been, been working and and I think it's going to be interesting to to watch you guys grow and continue to grow with, with hospitals as they kind of assess their needs going into probably what's going to be at some point, a healthcare transformation, um, two or 3.0, you know, who knows where we are at this point since 2009, (laughs) but I think that what happens in the next administration is going to be significantly healthcare focused, whether it's focused on something that is payer payer oriented um, or something that's truly transformative that um, in the same way our last one was, um, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out for systems like yours. So I I definitely appreciate you spending some, some time with us and and talking about it. We're going to be posting um, all of this information on our social media handles and social media feeds um, through the touchpoint network and so david we we appreciate you being here with us thank you lance for the opportunity thank you very much